good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. I don't know why why the choir why y'all were singing. I just this thought came to my mind. What's God worthy of? Everything. All right. Everybody? Everything. Just remember, I'm way up here, so sometimes it's hard for me to hear some of what y'all say. Getting up early? There you go. Good job, because I can't hear. So, hey, we can be very generic, right? We, we, we can throw a big word. He's worthy of it all. But when you dig down, Doug, what is the all? Because each one of us has an all. You know, there's certain things that we hold on to. We tell him he's worthy of it all. We tell him we give him everything. But there's some things that we hold on to sometimes. And you know what? That's what the time of invitation's for. There's a time at home. There's a time anywhere you want to pray. And you can just get along with God. And you could ask him, what's the all? What am I, what, what's he really worth? What's the all? What is it? What is he worthy of? Well, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I pray that it's not generic, it's not vanilla when we say all. All is taking out the white flag of surrender and a white flag and surrendering our will, our emotions, our thoughts our lives, our finances, our time, our talent, everything. So God, I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. Speak afresh and anew to us today. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I still got this kind of <laughs> burning in me a little bit. Let me ask you this. You know, praise, we say, is an incense to God, right? We were just kind of singing that a minute ago. Let our praise rise up to Him. Let me ask you this. This morning, what was your praise that rose up to incense to Him? Because, see, we ought to start out in praise. We ought to start out and worship every day. Before we even get here, it ought, to, it ought to happen at home. And then yesterday, when you walked, you lived, everything you did, what was the aroma? What was that that you gave to him? And I'm not going any further, but say this week, what did your week look like? What were you pouring out on him? All right, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 John 3. We're going to look at verses 16 through 23, the essence of the Christian life. I think that kind of fell in there this morning unintentionally, this essence of the Christian life. Everything ought to be this sweet aroma to him. It, it, what is he worthy of? All those things are the essence of the Christian life. And then John gives us more evidence, more things to look at. By this we know love is the title of the message. By this. So we're going to continue this series. We're going to look at it and see what's going on. See, the only reason we know love is because God is love. Amen? 
We only know that love because he saved us and he did a work inside of our life. And then so we know what love looks like because he gave us the picture of love. We're going to look at some of those things as we go today. I just kind of want you to be thinking that. Why do do I love? What does love look like? What is this characteristics? What is this essence of my life and what should it look like? So the essence of the Christian life should be love. We're going to read it and and look through here. 1 John 3, verse 16. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. That's how we know love. Because he was the picture, the essence. He showed us by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also are to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this, wor- this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts, shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and we shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And knows, us all, and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that which are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us a commandment. So the first thing we're going to look at is by this we know God, we know this love because, because God is giving. And see, right now, see, a lot of people start thinking already, oh, there we go, we're going to launch into a giving sermon. We're going to look into tithing and checkbooks and all that. You know what you'd usually think when you start thinking about giving? And then you look in a bulletin and it, and it shows you behind, you know, in, in the giving and that kind of stuff. So you already think, well, preacher's going to do a series on giving. You know what? I don't have to. I'm going to preach the word. I'm just going to say what it says. See, the word know is gnosko. In, in, in Greek, it means to perceive, be acquainted with. So we are to be acquainted with love. Amen? We are to be acquainted with the Father. We are to be acquainted with this word. And then by this, we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also are to lay down our lives for the brethren. Understand the word love love does not take amen love gives love look god loved you so much that he gave his one and only precious son so that you could have life so we know god from the beginning is a god of love he made a way for us to have salvation love gives according to the bible and the example is jesus right He's that example that we look at. We, we look at his example. Any religion that takes your life, you may want to look into it a little bit deeper because it's a giving love that he gives us. He doesn't say, look, you sacrifice your life. You know the good news? He sacrificed his life so that you could have life. You could have forgiveness of sin, that you could have a personal relationship with him. This is Christianity. Jesus gave his life for his followers. 
I'm going to read John 3, 16 and 17 for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through, but that the world through him might be saved. See, he provided a way for you to be saved. He ransomed his son for you. Romans 5, 8 tells us this one too. God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. See that giving love? How he gives, how he uh, initiates that love towards us? 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7. Therefore I exalt, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made to all men for kings and for all who are in authority. See, that's who we need to be praying for our leadership, those that are over us in authority, we should be praying for them. I can get an ouch or I can get an amen right there. For kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Here's something I highlight in here. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. See, he's the ransom. He gave. He gave a ransom. He paid the price. He paid the penalty. He showed us love and what that looks like. God gave his son authority over death. We can see that too. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He gives. And that lets us know, we keep going a little bit for, further, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by, by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. And another sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Isn't that good news? That we, we are his, his sheep. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. See, no one, the, the Romans, they think they took his life, but he did, they didn't. The Pharisees thought they put him up to be killed and all that. But it was a purpose and a plan because God loves you and he's providing a way for you to have salvation. No one takes it from me. No one took it. But I lay down myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This command I give you receive from my Father. See, once, what once was dead, he makes alive. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. God is greater. He has authority. He has power over death. See, we're once dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our transgressions. We're dead in our sin. But God ransomed his son that we can have life and have a relationship with him. So what should be our response? Be as I claim to know him and love him. So what should our response be? That if I claim and I say that I follow him and I trust him and I believe in him, what say then? We should look like him, right? 
By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. He shows us, he tells us, he gives us the what inside the text. What we're to look like, what we're to be a part of, what are we to be doing? We also are to lay down our life for the brethren. What does that mean? What is John? He gives us the answer in 17. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? I'm going to try to clear up a few things in this that, that we can look at and about giving and all that kind of stuff. He tells us really clearly that we are to be watching the brethren. Inside these texts that, that are written and these men that scribe the word of God, when they use the word brethren or brother, that means light believers. That means those that have trusted in Jesus, they walked with Jesus, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. They never called a lost person a brother in the Bible. Where are you going? Well, I'm getting there. When we see a brother and sister in Christ, one that knows Christ, that's gave their life, and, and they follow him, and they're having some financial difficulty, we, as the church, are to come alongside them and help them. But I want to read some more things in here because I want us to see. James 2, 17, or 15 and 16, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm, and be filled, but do not give them things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? If we see the need, we understand the need, we hear the need, we are to meet the need. Amen? We are too. But I want to kind of give you a little bit more in discipleship, because discipleship is paramount. Amen as well on that. Christians should not be lazy. See, now, see, you thought I was going to preach a text on giving. Now I've swapped, I flipped the script, so to speak. Now I'm going to put it on you today. Because that's what dualistic teaching is, and that's what all of John's trying to do, is teach us light or darkness, lost, saved. He's teaching us through this, and I want to teach us this a little bit today. Because you know what? Work ain't going to harm you. Teenagers, I'm going to look at you. Work's not going to kill you. Old, medium range folks, work's not going to kill you. Old folks, y'all know better than I do, so we'll just leave it at that. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I worked in the woods all day yesterday. I got up bright and early, cut the grass, which is half dead, but she made me cut it. <laughs> I went out in the woods. I hadn't been out there in a few months. I, I have it all the way 200 acres where I can get around it put stands hunt and all that kind of stuff and uh, I got out there I hadn't been out there since the tornado and man there's treetops everywhere there's trees down well I, I have to those things don't move themselves amen or, and oh me my back hurts today you got to move that stuff I'm gonna tell you what it's it's good to work my middle son all the time tells me said dad you're crazy I've never seen somebody like to work like you work I enjoy work. It's, it's not work when you enjoy it. But, but here's the deal. We're not called to be lazy Christians, amen? We're just not. We should stay busy. You know, when you stay busy, you stay out of trouble. If I'm on a chainsaw, I'm not doing anything ignorant. I'm, I'm working on a chainsaw. I'm not chasing things I don't need to chase, see things I don't need to see. I'm working. I'm pouring into the things and see us. 
It's okay to work. It keeps you busy. And you know what else? It keeps you well fed. <laughs> work. We're to work. Solomon, the wisest man, according to the Bible, taught his children this principle. You can go into Proverbs. See, he talks about it. Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider his ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruling, provides his, uh, her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slum slumber, O sluggard? Will you rise from this sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, of folding the hands to sleep? So shall poverty come to you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. My middle son is lazy. I'll tell you right now, he's lazy. I read him this scripture all the time. You're not to be lazy. You're to work. You're to provide. Look at the ant. The ant does it. He gathers and, and, and puts things together. We're not to be lazy. A little bit of folding hands. See, he likes to sleep till about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I can't, get, I can't get my mind around that. I'm done wore out by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Work. Slug. See what's going on. Put your hand to the plow or a little bit of folding hands. See, that's, you know what that means? Folding hands? You're just sitting there chilling all the time. We're not called to chill. We're called to serve. And, and, and he's telling us just a little slumber, a little sleep. So shall your poverty come and overtake you. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is, is richly supplied. So you can sit back and go, oh, I wish I had this. Oh, I wish I had that. Oh, I wish I had. Oh, I wish I had. Get up and do something. Go to work diligently Proverbs 20 verse 4 the sluggard goes, goes the sluggard does not plow in the autumn well you know why you got to prepare the field if you want to harvest see the Bible teaches us all kind of reaping and sowing and, and farming techniques and different things that's going on see you saw you, you, you sow and you get the field ready it's working ahead of time. It's kind of like deer hunting. Yesterday, it's getting it early, going out there in August, July, getting all the ground ready, getting the stands ready, provision, providing, amen? You get out there and you do it. For both of these, from both of these verses, we'll learn that the slugger will crave things but have nothing. They'll crave and won't, but they won't have anything. Here's the deal. I know folks that are down on their luck. They have are, are down on, on life and different things that's happening. Instead of a hand out, you give them a hand up. You don't just give, give, give all the time to them. You know what? You know, I, I'm gonna tell you right now, you come to the church and you say this, hey preacher, man, I'm just I I don't I can't I can't provide, I can't do this, and you know, I'm working and all this kind of stuff. What can I do around here? I'm going to tell you what. There's 60 acres around here that needs a lot of work and a lot of help. I'll put you on a lawnmower, a weed whacker, pump sprayer. Don't come up here asking for money if you don't expect to do something for it. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's the way, that's the way I roll. That's the way I was taught. That's the way I'm raised. And that's what we're going to do. People don't need a handout. They need a hand up need to supply and, and be able to provide and help them you know what when you work for it you sure appreciate it a whole lot more instead of just give outs and handouts so john is saying though this thing is a heart thing 
By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whether the, by whatever the world's goods, that just means the things that we have. I'm going to tell you now, I've had some, some brothers and sisters to call me recently and say, you know what, I, I don't have enough meat. Is there any way, do you have any, I'm sorry, I moved. Yeah, he's going to track me with the light. You know, I know you're a deer hunter and stuff. Do you have some different things? You know, every time I kill a deer, I portion off a piece of that thing, and I say, you know what? I'm going to give that to somebody. Somebody needs that. Somebody's going to need some help along the way. You know what? God's been good to me. I'm going to be good to give back to other people. See, it's a heart thing. Who much is given, much is required. And so he's telling it's a heart thing. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in needs and shuts up his heart from him. See, there it is right there. It's a heart. Hey, Miss Jesse. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. You give? Yeah. Jerry, you give? It's a heart thing. It's a heart condition. See, I'm going to tell you right now. I can touch, I can touch you. See, my brother right here, we're going to pray over him in just a minute. He's got a heart condition. He's going to have a heart cat tomorrow. We're going to put hands on him here in a minute. We're going to anoint him with oil, and we're going to pray for him. So he can understand this right now when I say something about a heart condition. Soupy had uh, some, some bypasses, had a valve put in. It's a heart thing, right? Your heart was defective. But you know what? The healer touched your heart and healed it. The heart it's a heart thing. If we're not willing to give our time, talent, and treasure, it's a heart condition. We need to trust and look inside there. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? Some 70 times John uses the word abide from John when he wrote the, the gospel of John and first second third john 70 times he uses the word abide hey if he used it more than two or three i think is pretty important but 70 times what does that tell me we need to abide in him when we abide in him and he abides in us you know what he does he changes these hard hearts ezekiel 36 26 says he replaces a heart of stone and puts inside there a, a soft heart what once was calloused and hard because i'm gonna tell you when i was lost and you came to me and said, hey, look, I want you to give me something. I'm going to say, what? It's a heart thing. See, your relationship with the Lord is a transformation. It's an ongoing process. You know this essence we're talking about? We're to look more and more like Him. And less and less like us. It's a heart thing, what's going on. Let me ask you something. How's that love abiding in you? Can people look inside you and go, hmm, abiding, loving, caring? Is there something in there? And then see, we don't look at God's word with commands and things because then keep going. Y'all want to go with me? Go with me, 18. My little children... Let us not love in word or in tongue. So he tells us, 
It's not just a words thing. It's not just saying love, abide, trust, believe. He, he's saying, my little children. So, so what that means is, Ronnie, I'm going to tell you right now. My little children are immature. They're born again. They've accepted Jesus. Because all through this text, he's taught, told us what my little children and, and what these are. So these are just newbie Christians. He's saying, newbies, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. See, that's faith and action. They are to go hand in hand. He tells us, My little children, let us not love in word only or in tongue, but in deed and truth. I love a command. I love where he tells us what we're to do. Love is an outward expression, deed and truth. See, You'll know them, and you'll know them by their fruit. Love is an attribute. It's an attribute of God. See, love is, when we're saying is, that's talking about His character. God is love. Now, if we're going to wear His name called what? Christians? We are to bear His resemblance. Amy or oh me, we, we can talk in church. It makes it go by quicker, too. It's this outward expression. So God is giving, so we know that about him. That's an attribute. God is giving. Next, God is truth. He is truth. We know by this we know God. God is truth. He tells us in 19. And by this we know that we are all... Let me see, my, my glasses are moving, I am too. By this, we know that we are of the truth. See, that's the essence, that's who he is. We know that we're in the truth because he is truth. And shall assure our hearts before him. He's truth, amen? God is truth. The Greek word, aletheia, is this. It's a meaning of truth, and, 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 and it is truth. It's steadfast, sincerity, straightforwardness. That's pretty good words about God, huh? Essence and character, we are to be the same thing. We are to be straightforward. We, we are to be steadfast. We are to be true. And then uh, there's another Greek word that's, that's going along with this truth and different things. It's called as not concealing. See, we shouldn't hold and conceal the truth in us. The truth ought to be an overflow of who we are. It ought to be who we are because we are His. should just be this attribute. So I'm going to give us a couple little thoughts inside here. If we're truly wanting the essence of Christ, we should love in speech by talking in truth, right? If we're going to live out this essence, we're going to live like Him, we should speak in truth, speak in love. We should know that this Love was not concealing. Heart, you know, you know the word in here, heart, you know, we get what, cardiac, different things like this. Uh, we, we know those things, cardiac arrest. Cardia is the Greek. It's prolonged from the primary of a Latin word. You know, Latin and Greek is where we get all of our English from. A lot of our words are in Latin and they're in Greek, and we, we begin, in Latin, the word means core. middle the heart's in the middle of the chest right 
How about this? It ought to be the middle of who we are. Giving, loving, attributes that we are. You know what else comes from the heart? Thoughts, feelings, emotions, and all those different things. Cupid, right? All right, y'all wake up. We're talking about the heart. You know, the bowels are really where emotion comes from. It comes from the seat down here. You know, you're ever making a decision, man, your stomach's flipping and the different things like that. We always think it's a heart thing and different stuff like that. It's really in the middle. It's right here where we get these decisions and what's going on. Truth comes from the heart, amen? What's in the heart? You know where it comes out of? What's in here comes out of here. What's in here comes out. Another translation says this. I read multiple translations when I'm going to preach. It also says our conscience. Y'all ever heard that word? It's our conscience. Heart. At the, it's, 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 it's where we get this presence of God. Heart condemns us, right? Our heart sometimes condemns us. But it's the Holy Spirit that we know as believers. We know it's the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us that condemns us. Why? Because God is greater. God is greater. The heart knows all things. And when I'm saying all this, it's in context that you being a believer in the Holy Spirit is in the middle, the core, the center of your life. And you can say these things. That I rest in His presence. My heart rests. I'm not troubled over things that's going on. My heart rests. I have peace in Him. The heart that does not condemn has confidence in God and not in self. He's telling us right here, if you have confidence in yourself, it's okay because you probably have confidence in God. Because He's our source. He's guiding us. He's going with us. He's truth. God is greater than our hearts. Amen? He's greater than emotion and emotional things that stir us up and all like that. It's the heart of who we are. God lives inside of us. And it shouldn't be a bunch of emotional stuff like this. It's the center of the core is Him. And that's why I stand firm in Him. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. Because my core is rooted in Him. He knows all things. The conscience, the emotions, the affections, the kindness, the benevolence, the compassion, the mercies. Isn't it good that God is greater? He knows all those things about us. We can conceal and tuck and, and hide all those things that, you know, that, that, that we don't want other people to see and other things to know. But here's the deal. God is greater. He knows our heart. He knows all those different things. God is greater than our heart. God can overcome whatever stands between people and Him, and He is already aware of the issue. See, a lot of people say, man, i got to get cleaned up before I come to Christ i got all this baggage. I've done all these bad things. I've, I've got sin in my life, and I've, I've done different things along the way. God's greater than all of that. He shed His blood on a cross. He gave His life so that you could have forgiveness. You can have life more abundant. He's provided a way for you to be forgiven. Be forgiven. He's aware of all your issues. Isn't that good? Randy, I don't have to hide nothing from God. 
I can come to him in prayer and say, God, I, sometimes I have a hard heart. Sometimes I just don't like people. God, I, I need you to create in me a clean heart. God, help me to love some of those that are unlovable. Help those that hurt me that I cannot hurt them back. You know what I'm saying? He already knows all those emotions. You know what? I can tuck them in and hide them from a lot of things, but I can't hide. Hey, y'all looking at me? This is what we can hide from God. If you take nothing out of here today, that's it. Can't hide nothing from him. And you know what? In spite of that, he loves you anyway. In spite of all your junk, all everything, he loves you anyway. See, because like I said a minute ago, God demonstrated his love towards us that while yet I was still a sinner, he died for me. I was on his mind 2,000 plus years ago before I was even conceived. Hey, you know what? My little mind can't hardly understand that much. But I know this, he loves me. It sounds like something like this. It's confidence in the right place. It's not confidence in me. It's not confidence in my efforts. It's confidence in Christ. Amen? That's where our confidence should come from. 1 John 5, 14. We're going to jump ahead. We'll, we'll see this one. He says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. That's pretty good, isn't it? He's a God that hears us, Melvin. He's a God that loves us. He's a God that gives to us. And then number three, God is our provider. Amen? We keep going and looking at it. Verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we have, or we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His, in his sight. All right. Can I just tell you something? This ain't asking for a Rolls Royce a BMW, whatever big thing that you, you got tucked up in there, that you, I just want it. I just got to have it. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you are so abiding in this word and these commandments that you trust him, you know him, your confidence is in him. And you know what? Your asking will look a whole lot different. Your asking will look different. I used to ask myself, because I wasn't asking the Lord this, Lord, I want a Rolex really bad. And you know what I did? I built me a Rolex fund. And I started funding it. I started putting a little bit here, and putting a little bit there, and I put a little bit here, a little bit there. And Christy and I were in Houston, Texas one day. Saw the big sign, Rolex. I said, I'm going in there and buying my Rolex today. I got enough money. Walked up in there. Christy was with me. I had already asked her permission. I'd already told her I'd been saving up for it. She said, hey, you've worked hard for it. You deserve it. I'll tell you right now, I don't deserve nothing, and you don't either. I deserve hell, death, and a grave. But Jesus gave his son that I could have life. And you know what? When I looked at that price tag on that Rolex, I had begun doing mission work, Michelle. And I looked at that watch, and it said $15,000. I 
I had $15,000 in the bank. I knew what the watch cost. I wanted it. I've been to Cambodia, and I saw people that were destitute, starving, needing. I've been to Africa and saw people starving and in need. And I looked at a $15,000 watch and thought I needed that. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a heart change. God convicted me right then and said, no, sir. No, sir. I'm going to clear that up. I worked really hard, really hard. A lot of hours, a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice. But you know what? God changes the heart. There was more need out there than this. Let me ask you this morning. What are you giving up? What are you so trusting in? Self? Self-confidence? Or confidence in Him? Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you get alone with Him, He'll reveal it to you. What you're putting your trust in. Because I'm going to tell you right now, for a long time, I put my trust in money. It's called M-O-N-E-Y, green stuff. And you know what I would do, Robert? I'd just tuck it back and tuck it back and tuck it back and... You know, if I had a need, you know what? I just went to that savings account or that little tuck back money. And you know what? Not very many times was I dependent upon God. You know what I was dependent upon? Self. This morning, what are you dependent upon? Examine your life. Examine your heart. But here's the bottom line. He knows your heart already. Isn't it good to just confess it and get it out? Lord, I put all these things ahead of you. All these things I've put ahead of you. I know that you're greater. I trust in you. Greater is he. You know, all this in 1 John is what he's doing. Are you in the world? Are you in Christ? So bottom line, so basic. Are you of the world and the things of the world? you abiding and you're in the things of Christ he gives us all this stuff so clearly we get to see it he, but he provides all those things so in the asking it's amazing how he begins to change your life change your wants and your needs it's not all about me anymore is it it's about the kingdom when you're abiding in him you're more concerned about the kingdom your time, your talent, your treasure, you know what? You're starting invested in the kingdom. You know what that is? That's a disciple. That's a follower of Christ. You want the things that he wants. You don't, your, your things you don't want is... I'm not saying it happens overnight. Because see, just like I drew on the, on the, on the screen last week, it is a transformation. The more we look like him, whatever we ask. The confidence is not in the prayer of what we ask God, but what he asked us for. Remember when I told you I'm going to flip the script? That's flipping the script right there. It's him. It's the confidence in the prayer. It's not what we ask God for. It's what he asked us. So let me ask you, what are you willing? I surrender all. What's the all? Hey, it ain't doom and gloom, all right? The good news is 
there ought to be that transformation inside you that you have that testimony of what God has done in your life and how he's changing you he's transforming you he's doing this great work in you I want to read something for you because it goes back a little bit the love of the father has been bestowed upon us that we are a child of God see now I'm giving you good news 1 John 2 15 and 17 do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life hey if you wondered what sin looks like if you don't hear the word sin and know what it looks like let's back up because I want to give it to you hear it and understand it the lust of the flesh that's anything that you yield over and you yield into that's your flesh getting the will whether that's sex pornography alcohol drugs whatever the lust of the flesh whatever you give in and you say hey I want this I need this does that is that clear enough for you the lust of the eyes, that's anything that you look at, need, want, trust in more than God. You say, I've got to have it, I want it, and you take it. The pride of life, that is probably the most looked at sin that we can all identify, pride, amen? Or oh me, I can be the only one, but I know I have pride inside here. And I know many of you do because I've been around a lot of you. Those things, uh, we know, the pride of life. All those things are sin, and they're not of the Father, but of the world, is what he's saying. 17, and the world is passing away. See, keep putting your stock in this thing, because I'm going to tell you what, this world is passing away. It's not going to be here forever. If you can do anything, go back and look at history. Anybody, the Babylonians, which we're studying and everything, they put their pride in themselves, and they said, look at us. We've taken over the known world. We've destroyed all these cities. We've even taken the capital. We've taken God's children. But you know what? There's a judgment day someday. And he brought forth stronger and greater. So this world's passing away and the lust of it. But he, does not, but he who does the will of the Father abides forever. Are you abiding in the Word? Are you abiding in Him? So you won't be acting like a little child you'll be obedient to the Father. What I'm saying about that, be like a child. It's like treating Jesus like a, a genie in a bottle. Oh, I need this. Give me some of that. Oh, I need some of this. I got three wishes. Give me some of that. See, that's what little immature babies believe when you're praying and seeking the Lord. Get inside there. Trust Him. Let me ask you, if you were praying today, you be asking for worldly things or for godly things I'm going to just kind of give you a little bit right here because he's been teaching us these imperatives John has the letter writer of this epistle help me to understand the doctrine of Jesus wouldn't that be nice we prayed that sometimes Lord help me to understand you better Help me to understand your word. Give me the Holy Spirit. Once saved, you, 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 you have that. Once you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Keep me from the Antichrist, because remember all this is he's teaching about Christ, Antichrist. Have you prayed that lately? Lord, keep me from the evil one. That's kind of like the Lord's Prayer, right? 
help me to abide in what I've heard from the beginning. That's what John said. From, from the beginning, we know that He is from the beginning. All things are created by Him, for Him, from Him, and through Him. Help me to be ready for the second coming because I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't know this, there's a second coming of Jesus. We need to be ready for this coming. Help me not to commit sin. We put that one on our radar lately? Manifest your spirit within me. Help me to love my brother as myself. Help me to obey your commands. And then it makes a little more sense. Whatever we ask, we receive. In terms of spiritual need and the provisions required for God's work in us. A believer will receive what they need. Amen? We'll receive everything we need from God. 23. Believe in the name of the Son. Believe in Jesus meant acknowledging that the eternal God as Son came in the flesh. The necessity living by Jesus' values. Yep, I shut my Bible. It's time to have an invitation. It's time to examine. It's time to look inside the essence of the Christian life. The essence of this life. Let me ask you something. Do you want the same will as Him? Do you want God's will in your life? Do you want to experience the nature and the quality? See, that's all this essence is about. Your nature, your quality, looking like His now. Looking less and less like yourself. So let's stand. Let's do this. Right where you are. Let's just close our eyes for a few minutes. And that person to your left and that person that's to your right, just, just block them out. It's just you and Jesus right now. And we're going to ask him a few things. How about this one? God is giving. We just read all that and spoke about it today. We understand and we know that God is giving. So this is between you and God. Are you? And I'm not even talking about... Remember, we didn't even talk about money today. We talked about other things. Then we looked and saw that God is truth. You know what that means? Again, I said it a minute ago. He's steadfast. Sincere. He will never change. See... God didn't like a lot of us changing with the wind and the fads and the fame and all that kind of stuff. It's just who He is. He's non-changing, steadfast. Here it is. Are you? God is the provider. He has given us all we need. Amen? All that I need, He is my provider. All He asks for one thing, obedience. So let me ask you this morning, have you been obedient? Are you following Him, trusting Him as provider? So again, God is giving. Are you? God is truth. Are you? God is provider. He's obedient. He's given us all these things. Are you obedient to Him?
then I'm going to tell you just like John's been telling us, cut and dry, simple and easy. Are you saved or are you lost? If you can't answer, I'm saved, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're going to have some men standing right here and we're going to have some ladies standing right here. And you might just have questions. I don't understand what being saved looks like. Can y'all explain that to me? I've heard that term around me a lot in my life. I've heard about wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I've heard that we're all sinners and needing a Savior. I've heard a lot of things, but I don't quite understand it. Can somebody explain that to me? There's going to be men and women down here to explain that to you, how to be saved. How about this one? I know we already got some people going to come forward here in just a second. You have some health issues in your life? You just need prayer? You know what? We're commissioned and commanded by God to pray for one another. We're to love one another, but we're also to be praying for each other. So I'm going to just say, if you got burdens in your life, you got some things that you just can't, I just can't carry this anymore by myself. I need a, a, somebody to come along with me. These folks will pray with you this morning. Cast all your cares upon Him. You know why? Because He cares for you. And these folks that will be down here, they care for you too. They'll pray for you. They'll, they'll, they'll speak life into you. Your life feel hopeless? We believe in the God of hope. So if you need that, these guys will be down here. Ladies, they'll walk with you. Here's one more little small component. Because see, I believe almost all of us need to be down here this morning. And here's the other component. We need to be praying for our, the revival that's coming here. September the 10th through the 13th. We need to be praying for Brother Jim that his health is going to maintain, that he's going to be healthy and be able to do it. We need to be praying for ourselves because you know what the word revival stands for? It's to revive something that's in here that's kind of been put on hold and kind of put needs to be revived. It's like a, a piece of coal that you want to build a fire with and you got to blow into that ember. Who needs some blowing into their life and experience God afresh and anew again? I think every one of us does. Unless you're just red hot on fire for something that I'm not aware of. So this is the time. See, when we talk about being obedient, it's time to be obedient. It's time to say, I'm lost and I need to be saved. It's time to say, you know what? I need to be praying for other people instead of myself. It's time to be a mature believer. It's time to pull up and be up the big boy pants and come pray for other people. And then those folks that are sick, like Brother Melvin and um, different ones, we're going to pray over him. He's asked us to anoint him with some oil. So some of you guys that want to pray over Melvin, follow me up this way, down there. 